Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. Amen. Today's gospel reading is the famous story of Nicodemus. Typically, this passage has been interpreted one way, one very common way. And the basic interpretation has been that Nicodemus was very interested in Jesus and what Jesus was doing, but he didn't want anyone else to know about it. In fact, he was afraid of what the other rabbis would think if he was seen with Jesus. And so this scripture presents Nicodemus as kind of sneaking around at night, kind of coming in the back door, having this kind of indiscreet or very discreet conversation with Jesus. And that in the course of the conversation, something shifts and Nicodemus' courage is brought out. And he goes on to later to be a friend of Jesus, to speak out for Jesus, and ultimately to anoint Jesus at his burial. This sort of movement from fear to courage. And that is one way to look at this scripture. In fact, if you look at my essay on page 5, you'll look at how I interpret this scripture using this very common approach. But there's another way to look at this scripture as well. As I looked deeper into this scripture, what occurred to me was, maybe it's not that Nicodemus was afraid. Maybe it's that Nicodemus has seen some of what Jesus has been doing, and he is so intrigued by it, and so challenged by it, that he can't stop thinking about it. And in fact, he is so challenged and so excited that he can't sleep. And the more he thinks about it, the more he feels something happening inside of him. And he can't describe it. And the excitement is building. And he just can't wait for morning. And he can't wait for daytime. He needs to meet with Jesus now. He's full of anticipation and excitement and hunger and hope. Nicodemus was a well-respected rabbi, very steeped in their traditions. He had a real clear idea of who people should be and how things should be and how things should work. But with Jesus, he saw this new wind kind of moving in, this new spirit. And he finds himself laying awake at night thinking about the possibilities, the possibilities for his own life. What Jesus could mean for his future and the possibility for the church of that time. What would happen if the church became a place of liberation and freedom? If the signs that Jesus were doing were multiplied throughout the church? It's like Nicodemus was laying awake at night thinking of a new society, a new church, new community, new possibilities, and he just couldn't wait. Ever felt that way before? Have you ever had a Nicodemus moment where you couldn't sleep? Maybe it was the night before the long-anticipated date. <laughs> You'd finally gotten up the courage to ask her out. The reservations were made. You knew what you were doing and where you were going. But it was the next night. <laughs> and, and you're laying in bed and you're thinking about her. And you're thinking about that date, and you want to go on that date right now. <laughs> so you look at the phone, you look at the clock, it's one in the morning. Oh, I really want to talk to her. Do I dare? 
I wonder if she's laying awake thinking about me. <laughs> You're full of that anticipation. You can imagine the scene and you want to get there. Or maybe it's the night before that job that you worked so hard to get. And the next day on the job is happening that very next morning. And you're so excited because you prepared for it. You, you went through the whole educational process. You've done all these other jobs to get to this job. And finally, it's going to be your first day on the job and you just can't wait. So you're laying there awake. Nicodemus laid awake. And finally he said, you know, I'm going now. I'm going now. I'm going to have this conversation now. I can't wait for what God's going to do in my life. I'm not sure what it's going to look like, but I want to get there now. I want to be a part of what God is doing. Actually, this sort of approach could have been very likely if you look at the culture of that time. In that particular culture, there was a very strong emphasis to study and learning and listening and growth. And in fact, at that time, it was very common for rabbis and others to study the Torah in the wee hours of the night. The idea was that with the distractions of the day put to rest, people could be even more open to listen to the Spirit and to the movement of God. In fact, this educational system, this approach was such a high value in that culture that in their synagogues they actually had priests whose specific jobs were to be night priests. They prayed throughout the night with the idea that the night was a time when the Spirit of God could really move. So these priests were assigned the task of praying for those who were sleeping that the Spirit would move in their hearts and their minds. And to pray for those who were studying, that they might learn the ways of God. So maybe it was those prayers that impacted Nicodemus. It was those prayers that got this Spirit moving. It was those prayers that actually called him to rise up and go into that meeting with Jesus. He gets there. And I think knowing what I know of Nicodemus, his educational background, the way he liked things structured, that he was ready for something new, and he was hoping for something new. He was hoping for something transformative. But I think he was expecting Jesus to certainly give him something new, but it would be something new that was also very structured because he was a structured person. And so I think he was going to Jesus hoping that Jesus would give him a formula. That Jesus would say, this is the way you grow in faith. Do this and everything will be all right. Instead, Jesus even moves and shifts on him. He gets into that conversation and rather than Jesus laying out this very specific plan, Jesus talks about the idea of being born again, being born from above. And to someone with as practical of a mind as Nicodemus, this is a challenging conversation. And he asks the kind of question you might would expect a structured person to ask. He said, how do I get back in the womb and come out again? What are you talking about? How is this possible? And rather than answering the question in a clear and measured way, Jesus again gives a kind of immeasurable, powerful, moving sort of response. He describes water and wind and spirit. 
things that can't be touched but nevertheless are very real. He calls Nicodemus to an experience that Nicodemus couldn't even imagine. I think there's a lot for us to learn from this scripture. I think we have this tendency sometimes as people of faith to want things really structured. We want our faith to be lined out. We want to feel safe. We want to feel comfortable. And so oftentimes people will come to me even in a conversation or a meeting and they'll say, Pastor, just tell me what I need to do. And I'll do it. Give me a list. I want to go through that list and check everything off and then I'll know I'm okay. And what Jesus is saying in this scripture, that's not how it happens. Maybe that's how you want it to happen. But that's not how it works. Instead, Jesus says, I'm giving you an invitation. An invitation to trust. An invitation to something personal and unique. Each person who is born is born in a different way. Each person is born unique. So no formula is going to fit. It's not going to work. Instead, you are called to open yourself to the wind. Open yourself to the Spirit. Open yourself to something new. And then see what happens. Born again. It's not so much about going down to the altar. Chased by shame and guilt. Being born again is opening ourselves to the wind of the Spirit. And the unpredictable challenge that comes when we become vulnerable and we become real. This is the heart of Christianity, and I love the way that Marcus Borg describes a spiritual journey, not as a formula where we all line up like little ducks and just follow each other with guilt chasing us and shame chasing us, but rather being born again is something that's so unique and so heartfelt and so powerful and so real. Listen to this description from Marcus Borg from the heart of Christianity. The born-again experience can be sudden and dramatic. It can involve a dramatic revelation, a life-changing epiphany, as in the case of Saul on the road to Damascus, an experience through which he became Paul. Such dramatic conversions continue to this day. Some people can name a day or even an hour when it happened. Yet, for the majority of us, being born again is not a single experience, but a gradual and incremental process. Dying to an old identity and being born into a new identity. Dying to an old way of being and living into a new way of being is a process that continues through a lifetime. The Christian life as it matures is, even, is ever more deeply centered in the spirit. That is, centered in the Spirit of God, as known in Jesus, the Spirit of Christ. Being born again is the work of the Spirit. Whether it happens suddenly or gradually, we can't make it happen, either by strong desire and determination, or by learning and believing the right beliefs. Yet we can be intentional about being born again. Though we can't make it happen, we can midwife the process. This is the purpose of spirituality, to help birth the new self and nourish the new life. In short, 
Spirituality is about the process of being born again and again and again. It is at the heart of the Christian life. Mm. I love that. I love it because what it's saying is wholeness and salvation is not a formula but a way of life. Wholeness and salvation is not a doctrine but a story. It's not a contract but a relationship. How alive is that? I mean, that's so powerful and so exciting. It, it could keep us awake at night thinking about a God who wants to personally relate with us according to how God's created us to be and who God's created us to be, not according to some formula somewhere, some idea out there created by people fighting with each other to get there. It's a loving relationship. It was so amazing yesterday. I'd say around 30 people or so were born again in our uh, gathering place over here. How were we born again? We were born again by telling stories, speaking about those moments of oppression that ultimately lead to moments of transformation, seeing that God has created each one of us uniquely and powerfully. And we're the ones that create walls. We're the ones who create designations like less than, not good enough. In racism dialogue, dialogue racism, we, we learn that God has created us to be people living from the heart, learning how to trust again, learning how to see each other as God's created us to be. Every time we learn to trust someone, we're born again. Every time we have a story that moves us a little bit, we're born again. Every time we join the hand of someone who we felt a distance towards, we are born again. Every time we sing a song of hope, we are born again. Thirty people born again yesterday through stories and new understandings and conversation and dialogue. And today over thirty couples will be born again right here because they will stand and say, Our love is true love too. Oh, born again and again and again born again into dreams for equality born again into dreams of hope born again into the audacity of hope one of the questions that we know Nicodemus had in the back of his mind is is he the one is this one the one and in that conversation, it, it comes out that Jesus did live on another level, that Jesus did live on another plane, that this was a relationship that would lead to transformation. There's not a process, but there is an approach. And the approach is to be open each day and to see what God will do. And part of what opens the door to openness is finding a place beyond the noise, beyond all the mumbo-jumbo, all the stuff going on around us. And went to an MCC conference, and one of the speakers was a spiritual writer named Christian de la Huerta. He wrote an amazing book called Coming Out Spiritually. And there's a special challenge, I think, to this approach to opening ourselves that comes through in these words from Christian de la Huerta. All human beings are spiritual, simply by virtue of being human. Even if, not, even if not all of us are equally in touch with that part of our nature. 
So how can we develop or deepen an awareness of our spiritual nature? Probably the best, and maybe even the only way to really discover this, is in solitude and silence. In these days of multimedia, high-tech, sensory overload, it has become increasingly important that we consciously seek out time and space to spend alone. Otherwise, we risk feeling disconnected and alienated, trapped in the superficial challenges and dramas which life will inevitably present. So on one hand, we're called to be a community. We're called to dialogue. We're called to celebrate together in ceremonies like we're having today. We're called to come together and rock out with the gospel ensemble at the concert tonight and be community in that kind of powerful way. But the other side of that is to find those places of listening, those silent places. And so I want to suggest to you for a Lenten practice an approach. This is not a formula that I'm giving you. This is not a program. It's an invitation to a process. I would challenge each one of us to turn the television off at least 15 minutes before we go to bed. I know that it's an American habit to leave the TV going all night or to fall asleep with the TV. But potentially that blocks what God may be trying to say. So I would challenge each of us to spend at least 15 minutes having a Nicodemus moment. Studying some scripture, reading some poetry, asking a question. And allowing ourselves to go into a night place that could become a spirit place. One thing that I've started doing is I write a question or a thought to God before I go to sleep. And what's amazing is that the next morning, I oftentimes get a response. So one thing you might want to try as part of this Nicodemus moment is to get a three-by-five card, something like that, and during those 15 minutes, just kind of hold that before God and maybe write something down. And then before you go to sleep, say, okay, God, you know what kind of day it's been. I've been all over the place. I've been busy. I've been crazy. I've been around people. You know, I've been bombarded with technology. But now, God, I'm going to go to sleep. <laughs> and I'm going to be open. So, God, I pray that while I'm asleep tonight, you'll just massage my heart. That you'll just love me while I'm sleeping. And, God, if you have something to say to me in the morning, let me be open to hear what you might say. I want to give you an example of how this might work. Here's a card, and this is what I wrote. God... I've looked at the days ahead and all that's going on. Situations to address, decisions to make, tasks to be accomplished. How will I find the energy for all of this? You ever ask God that kind of question? God, where am I going to get the energy for this? Ask that question or a similar question and sleep on it. And what you may get is a response like this the next morning. Dwayne, your energy is not your own. I am your supply. When did you think you had to create your own energy? I am energy. You will never be too busy to draw on the energy I make available to you at each moment. Dwayne, simply stop, take a breath, ask for my energy, and you will have exactly what you need when you need it.
My Lenten prayer for all of us as individuals in a congregation is that we would have those Nicodemus moments, those moments where we are challenged, awakened, and born again. Go from this place, living that spirit, not a formula, but a relationship. Amen.